It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Asianboxing.info is the website. Yes, we are back. It's been a while. Scott, how have you been? I've been warm, uh, good, relaxed. Not bad. Yourself? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's going to be 100 degrees here in the sunny state of California. So I know that's just like your heat wave. We're experiencing the same thing. Yeah, it's, we've, we've become a uh, British desert all of a sudden. Scott, it's been a while. We need to go back to Nonito Donaire's brilliant performance. We didn't get to touch on it. I know That was, what, May 29th. So we're going back a couple of weeks. But we have to talk about what he did against Nordin Obali. It was him again turning back the clock. And he is... Honestly, as a boxer, really never looked better. Yeah, I think it's weird when we talk about uh, people's primes and people's peaks. I think in Donaire's case, he's come out a lot, lot smarter. He's no longer loading up on the left hook. He's actually boxing better. And we really saw that here. He he uses jab well. He landed that thunder left hook. Um, and when he landed it, he really just took about all his senses away. It's just performance. I'm not sure how two of the officials had O'Bali winning anything from that bout. As somehow they gave him a couple of rounds. It's bizarre. It's all the air for me. Brilliant performance. A fantastic way to recapture the WBC bantamweight title. Donaire was counted out so many times, I think, by not only the, the boxing public, but even by riders, by people who know this sport. They said, oh, he looked old. But really, coming back down to Bantamweight, I think it was a huge uh, career rejuvenation for him. And if you read the article in, in Ring Magazine, he talks about how just his, his lifestyle has been better. The diet, the sleep. Uh, before, when he was at Bantamweight, he was really, really pushing to lose that weight. Now it, it's coming off easy, and it's because of his diet. It's because of what he's doing so Donaire, honestly, age is just a number, and I think he's he's here to stay at the bantamweight division. Yeah, he is. As you said, age is just a number. I think a lot of people actually overlooked the fact that Obali himself was in his mid thirties. Obali had just had COVID. Um, Obali had been inactive himself. Um, Donaire, a pure professional, a true professional, fantastic. But I think a lot of people are overrating Obali a little bit going in. But let's not take away from. Then absolutely destroying him with one of his one of his most destructive performances. So Donaire now sets up a possible fight, a possible rematch with Naoya Inoue. Inoue fighting this weekend against a mandatory that he should take care of very easily. Do you think that Donaire Inoue is the next fight that's made? I think that's the fight that both fighters want made. Whether or not it gets made goes down to the teams, and I I kind of get the feeling that PBC will push for Dunedd first, Casemiro or Rigondeaux. Um, I see Top Rank being more likely to push for the Dunedd fight. It's the fight that should be made. It's the fight that logically makes the most sense, but I can see PBC side perhaps making it a little bit more difficult to get made than it perhaps should be. Casemiro and Rigondeaux fighting later in the summer in August. And so you're right. The winner of that possibly fights Donaire. 
because they're both under PBC and maybe that's a little bit easier to make. Even if that's the case, if those two fight, that would just mean that they would unify and then you could have a fight for all the belts. Yeah, yeah, it makes more sense. Uh, but anyway, get any Dewey BM mandatories out of the way. Let him clear up anything that he needs whilst um, waiting for that one. Whether that's uh, about Gary Antonio Russell or Manny or Plange or Rashi Warren, whoever it is, let him get that out of the way. Uh, let Donaire and Casemiro unify. Then end of the year or early next year, get the four belts on the line and get this division completely sorted out. I would love it. The boxing business just, again, it's frustrating. It really is. All these mandatories. We just want to see the best fights. And we don't care really about the belts. I mean, yes, it's important. Undisputed is really cool. Josh Taylor just did it. Became the latest to get all four belts. It's really cool. But we just want to see the best fight the best. We do. And... A recent announcement by the WBO that Paul Butler would face from Joseph Agbeko in a WBO bantamweight final eliminator is just pathetic. The winner of that becomes the mandatory for Casemiro Rigondo. What a joke. The WBA really, given the division right now, the bantamweight division, that's not a world title limit in anyone's eyes. How is Agbeko getting on the fringe of a world title shot at the age of 44, a decade removed from his last win? Come on, Fox. Some of the the guys who are made number one contender, it, it really is a joke. Uh, no offense to Das Marinas, who Inoue is fighting this weekend, but is he really a number one contender? He's been a number one contender for what, almost well over a year now. Uh, he shouldn't be. He should never be anywhere close to that ranking, especially after his uh, gift draw against Plunge. It's, it's a joke, but then again, nice to see anyway how it's an easy win. A fight in front of a crowd in Las Vegas sets up bigger things, but yeah, a joke of a defense. They are building his profile up. And really, for Inoue, he's had so many tough fights that maybe you throw a couple easy ones in there, just a, a couple tune-up fights. It's, it's not the worst thing. I even think that you know while the pandemic really hit at a, a, a bad time for him because of him being in his prime uh, maybe he needed that extra rest after such a tough fight against Donaire yeah I, I think he did need that rest after the Donaire fight after the injury but this is now 18 months on and it's the second easy fight I understand why he's fighting Dasmarinas but <laughs> It's just a shame it's come eight months after the Maloney fight, which again was 11 months after the Donaire fight. It feels like he's stagnated with top rank a little bit. Wanted to touch on a, another fight uh, before we move on. The undercard of Nonito Donaire saw an impressive Asian boxer on it. Yeah, Dukenbaev, Vatazan Dukenbaev, who unfortunately did lose to Sabrao Matayas, but oh, what an amazing fight. That is up there with the best fights of the year. Um, eight rounds of pulsating two-way action. Matthias is a monster. I I don't think anyone's going to be in a rush to face him. Uh, Dukenbaev gave his all, had a really good start, but Matthias just broken down mentally, physically. What a fight. Um, I hope you see more of both guys. Um, but yeah, fantastic, fantastic contest. 
the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. Asianboxing.info is the website. Uh, it was just a great card that Saturday on the 29th. Um, again, Donaire and Oe, please. That would be great. And Oe fighting this weekend. And we hope he makes quick work. In fact, I'm pretty sure he will make quick work of Das Marinas. We have more important things to talk about, Scott. More pressing things. Uh, this past week, we had a, a fairly big card, and we got to see some of the young talent around Japan um, be featured. Yeah, it was actually a card that was splattered with uh, really good young talent, like Ryota Karimoto, um, Hakira Hoshiyama, and Shisue Kawabata. But the two bouts that we, we grabbed the attention was Rentaro Kimura's fourth professional bout, where he faced Hikaru Fukunaga. For the first time in his career, Kimura went six rounds. He took a clear decision against Fukunaga, but great, great effort by Fukunaga. He you know, tried to tried to bring uh, Kimura into a war, and Kimura just outboxed him. It's it a real showcase of what Kimura can do. Um, for the first time, I think we really saw him being tested mentally by somebody wanting to fight him, able to take his power, coming to fight and. He answered every question he needed to. The main event of that card, so the young Masahiro Suzuki put on a career best performance, stopping Daishi Nagata for uh, the Japanese title at 140 pounds. Just a brilliant, brilliant performance by Suzuki. And it's worth noting that Nagata actually took the title from Inoue's cousin Koki uh, last July. So this is a huge, huge win for Suzuki. 140 in Japan is hot. There are a lot of different fights to make. In fact, Suzuki, he's going to be defending his title soon, right? Yeah, he's been ordered to defend against Andy Hirawaka, who has appeared on a bunch of American cards, the big young kid, um, a stablemate of the Inuas. Really exciting explosive fighter. That should be actually really, really, really good. Um Suzuki's the more skilled, the more polished. Hirowaka, the bigger, the stronger, the more powerful guy. Uh, really well matched up. Uh, the Japanese scene at 140 pounds is really, really overlooked. Um, we got Jin Sasaki there, Ricky Naito, Hiroki Okada, Koichi Aso, Kodai Honda. A lot of exciting guys. They can all mix it in with each other. Uh, Suzuki versus Hirowaka should be something a little bit special. So you have that, this fight set up that, and, and also Rentaro Kimura, who had the impressive win against Fukunaga, he's not waiting around, which I love. He's a young, hungry fighter and wants to continue climbing up the ranks, so he's deciding, hey, I'm going to get back in the ring in just a couple of months. He'll be back on September 5th against the heavy-handed Yoji Saita, who just punches like a mule. This will be in um, his home area of Shizuoka or Fuji um, on a show put on by his promoter as opposed to um, one of the Tokyo-based promoters. Um, the event's going to be a spectacle of, sort of Shizuoka and Fuji-based boxing, so it should be a really great show. But Kimura vs. Saito should be, for the first time, a chin check for Kimura. Uh, it'll be scheduled for eight rounds. Saito's Real, real tough guy. Um, yeah, it's great to see him back in the ring, nice and quick. It's great to see him in against the 
dangerous fighter, high risk, low reward type of opponent. And if he wins this year, I imagine, I imagine Dandy Saruga wants to get him in with a title level uh, fighter later in the year or potentially early next year. And that would be exciting. We want to see the Japanese Vasily Lomachenko continue to climb. He's that talented. He's that skilled. He needs to be challenged. He does. I think Saito will challenge him. Um, but I think he'll challenge him in more of a physical way than a technical skill-based um, skill test. Shuichiro Yoshino. He's going to be returning to the ring in the summer, too. He is. He's going to be defending his title against second-generation fighter Shuman Nakazato. Um, Yoshino, I think he's actually a better boxer than Masayoshi Nakatani. Nakatani's the bigger guy, the longer, more awkward guy. I think Yoshino's the better boxer from Japanese lightweights. Um, Nakazato is a very talented fighter, but I think he's going to be too small. I don't think he's going to have the power needed to beat Yoshino. But August 12th, that's a fantastic belt. It's nice to see Yoshino back in the ring. He is a very talented boxer with brutal power. Nakazato is the son of a former world title challenger. He's experienced, he's exciting, he comes to fight, so that should be a really, really, really fun fight. For Yoshino, undefeated, like you said, great boxer, puncher. Uh, when do you think he kind of makes that next step? Because he's he's done everything um, in Japan on the domestic scene. Do you think he can make that next step to the world level? I think he's done everything on the regional scene as well. He's unified the Japanese WBI, Pacific, and OPPF titles. Um, as for taking the next step, I think he needs a bit of luck more than anything. I don't think he's good enough to hang with the, the truly elite in the division. I don't think he's going to get them over into Japan to fight him. Um, so he will have to travel. He'll have to catch the eye of either a British or an American promoter who wants to bring him over. And I think that's probably where he's going to struggle. He just doesn't quite have that star um, appeal that I think he would need to get the big world title eliminators and title fights. One man who has caught the eye of a promoter here in America and is making these appearances at the world level Masayoshi Nakatani and this one's a big one this is the biggest fight of his life he he gave a very competitive fight to Teofimo Lopez now he goes in against Vasily Lomachenko uh, and this is in a couple of weeks what type of chance do you give Nakatani um I might be biased I give Nakatani a legitimate chance I think with his size, with his awkwardness, his jab, his toughness, his underrated power, I think he has a chance against anybody in the division. Lomachenko clearly has to be the favourite. His speed, his skills, his fluidity will be probably the difference, but Nakatani will always be dangerous. He'll not fade away. Um, his game plan is based very much on keeping it long here, uh, tying up Lomachenko when he needs to, making it ugly when he needs to. I think it could genuinely frustrate the Ukrainian, but I don't think he'll uh, quite have enough, but I think he will really give Lomachenko a tough about than must expect. I agree with you. I think Nakatani wins this. He has to win this by knockout. He has to take out Lomachenko. Uh, he's not going to outbox him, uh, but it's possible. He's awkward. He's long. He, he, like you said, he's tough. You know, we know he's not, he's not going to get knocked out. 
so I I agree with you. This is a, an awkward fight for Lomachenko and Nakatani possibly could could make some noise. Uh, it would be a huge upset, um, but you never know. Also on this card, this is June 26th. A Japanese amateur standout is making his debut. Subaru Murata, um, one of a number of Taikan fighters who, if turned professional last year, but couldn't actually get a fight due to the the ongoing pandemic. He's sat there waiting, twiddling his thumbs. He was meant to be in action a few weeks ago on a card that, as far as I'm aware, never took place. Um, so he will be on that card against Kevin Monroy, an American with a one-on-one record. The bout will be a four-rounder at Super Bantamweight, so it's a little bit underwhelming, if I'm being completely honest. Usually a guy like Murata with about 80 amateur bouts to his name, uh, a Japanese all, an all-Japan championship, an appearance in a world youth championship would typically debut in a six-rounder. But still, it's nice to see him make a debut. It's nice to see him do so on a big card, get some international attention, win over some international fans in a division that right now is absolutely red hot. It is cool to see back-to-back weeks be surrounded with Japanese fighters. Of course, this weekend, Naoya Inoue, the headliner. And then next week, we get to see Nakatani and the debut of Murata. So really, I think the, the world and boxing, mainstream boxing, starting to realize how many talented fighters are coming out of Japan and, and they're starting to take notice. Yeah, I think it's kind of hard not to take notice. It's just a shame it's taken this long for a lot of these guys to get any attention. Um, for the last 20, 30 years, Japan's been producing some amazing talent. And I guess one of the things with boxing now is a lot of promoters are battling for the talent and are wanting to showcase it. And it's just a shame it's taken this long. Speaking of another Japanese fighter who's getting some international recognition, uh, Kyoguchi. Got his mandatory. His mandatory. Esteban Bermudez, who I think it's probably fair to say just six weeks ago was not a man anybody had actually heard of. But then the day before, uh, Donaire battered Obali. Bermudez shot the fans of lower weights and stopped Carlos Canizales in six rounds to become the, the, uh, the regular champion. Him versus Kaigushi could be brutal. Both guys are. Both guys have styles that should see them swinging uh, quite happily. Kaigushi is much more polished, but a guy who stops Kanazales, uh, who he's um, tough himself. Yeah, he's he could be a handful. Um, he's essentially, I think, Jet Donovan said it, won the lottery ticket with that win of Kanazales, and will get the Kaigushi fight likely in the US, um, or oh, maybe in Mexico's Dazon and. Match him look to expand there. A tricky one for Kayagushi. He'll be the favourite, but Bermudez has shown he has power, he has aggression, he has chin. It could be a really, really awkward one for a, for a long-reigning Kayagushi. And that was the biggest shock of, of, I think, this year so far was Bermudez knocking out Canizales. Do you think that was Canizales, just that long layoff? Did that hurt him in that fight? Canizales had a bunch of issues going in. He not only had the layoff, he also had I think, three bouts cancelled last year. He had a bout where it was cancelled on the day before because his opponent failed to make weight. When you keep getting yourself up for the fights and then getting them cancelled and getting up for it and getting cancelled, 
I think you kind of switch off a little bit. Um, I think that may have been the case here. It's a real shame because Cazales deserves so, so much better for his um, for his talent and his ability to face opponents on the road. It really is a shame that his reign came to such a underwhelming end. Kiyoguchi possibly having to, to face this mandatory, that means that uh, that unification bout that we wanted against Soto, where, where does that get pushed to? Um, that gets pushed to the future. Um, yeah, this unfortunately doesn't seem to have any flexibility on it because it was already an overdue mandatory for Kaiguchi. His last bout had been sort of the WBA having an arm twisted to let him fight in a voluntary. It does seem weird how the WBA just seemed to make up their minds as to when super champions do and don't have to mandatory, make mandatory defence of the title. I don't think they understand their own rules or if they do, they'd like to change them. But it's a real shame we're not seeing a unification bout instead. Yeah, we, we know with all these belts, just, there's just too much money. Uh, they're never going away, but my solution for boxing, get rid of them all. Go back to the one belt system and all your problems would be solved because there'd be one king and he'd be fighting all the challengers. And, and that's what was great about boxing back in the day. There was one king and you had to dethrone the king. And now there's a bunch of question marks. I mean, we can hypothesize and say, okay, well, he might be better and he might be better. But until they get, get in the ring, we, we won't know. And the problem is these guys aren't getting in the ring. Yeah, it's a shame that we can't have fighters fighting four or five times a year, like the good old days, and then I'll fight once, twice, maybe three times if we're lucky. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Asianboxing.info is the website. Another champion in Japan possibly uh, has a, a, another mandatory fight, Ioka. Yeah, Ioka is actually one I really can't complain too much about, other than an issue that I will get onto in a moment, but that'll be against Francisco Rodriguez Jr. This bout is one that is actually worth getting really, really excited about. Rodriguez is an exciting, aggressive fighter. He's a uni former unified champion um, at 105 pounds. His bout with Katsunari Takeyama is one of the all-time greats uh, that way. Uh, his style should gel really well with Aoka's. Um, so yeah, it's hard to actually complain about out the fight as a fight it's two top guys two well-known names facing off just for whatever reason and this is one that i don't think anyone can explain this would be the third successive uh mandatory defense for ioka um i think that might be the only time that's ever happened that's surprising to hear it's even more surprising to hear that he's had three wbo mandatories in less time, it's taking for Anthony Joshua to have one WBO mandatory. You can't blame Joshua. You know he's a uh, he's a busy man. Mm, yeah, but he's the WBO for not enforcing the rules. Alexander Usyk is waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for his shot. Um, whilst Rodriguez gets ordered as mandatory five months after Costa Tanaka uh, had a mandatory shot at Ayaka, just seems a little bit inconsistent from the WBO. Oh, there's no doubt about it. They're inconsistent. But you know Usyk is feel. He's very feel. He's he's ready for his shot. I do genuinely like Ayakovis Rodriguez. I think that has the potential to be something very good. Hopefully in the US. Um, 
especially after Ayoka's issues with the JVC recently. Um, but yeah, such an exciting matchup, and hopefully that one gets sorted sooner rather than later. Poor Ioka. He just had a, a hard battle with the JBC. So, again, maybe he's coming over here and he's not going to deal with them anymore. Yeah, it's about nine months ago first. Tanaka, the JBC, and Rodriguez. Come on. No, he deserves, after that, he deserves a really easy one. Yeah, I mean, JBC might have been his toughest opponent, even though Tanaka is a world champ. Yeah, JBC eventually threw in the white towel, said, yeah, we got it wrong. Yeah, but, but still. They, they quit on the stool in the, in the 11th. Exactly. The Super Flyweight division is such a great one, and that's just another fantastic bonus part of it. Yeah, hottest division, I think, right now in boxing, probably the most stacked, although there are a couple others that will will give give it a run for their money. But uh, for my money, top division right now in terms of talent. And in terms of matchups, we're actually getting the top guys fighting each other, which some of those other really good divisions aren't necessarily giving us. <laughs> Welterweight. <laughs> It's the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin, and we love the lower weights. Yes, we do. We love Asian boxing. If you like Asian boxing, all you have to do is go to asianboxing.info. Scott does a phenomenal job with the news, the videos. I watch all the videos all the time. That's where I get my Asian boxing on, on the website. And, of course, this podcast. You can also find that here if you're crazy enough to listen. Uh, but it's been the Asian Boxing Podcast. Hopefully, we won't have all these delays like we've been having, and it's it's been all on me, so I apologize for that. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to us and making us a part of your day, but until then, we'll talk to you next time.